podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. And tonight I've got Jim Johnson with me. Good evening, everybody. And Louis Argoni. Hey, Dolphins. It's been a pretty uh, hectic week, guys. Uh, after Monday night, they put Xavier Howard on uh, season-ending injured reserve. Nick O'Leary they decided to part ways with. And uh, they, they picked up... Uh, Javier Crawford, cornerback. Uh, Yesterday, before the trade deadline, we traded a uh, seventh-round pick in 2022 uh, for a fifth-round pick in this coming draft and uh, also acquired Aqib Talib and his uh, $4 million salary. I guess I had a question for you, uh, Jim. Yes. Now, I have a theory on why this team hasn't been a very good second-half team. Um, what's your opinion? <laughs> you know, that's pretty comical. Uh, you know, on our Facebook page and on all the other groups that I'm involved with, everybody is crying about no adjustments after halftime. We don't have a whole lot of players to change things up a whole lot with. So when you start talking about halftime adjustments, you know, if you've put your A game on display in the first half, all you can do is really go sideways one way or the other a little bit. There's only so much you can do. In that in that Steeler game, uh, you know, Rudolph came to life, and we just didn't have the manpower to really change things up a whole lot. So well, it wasn't just the Steeler game, though. It was the past three games. So why do you think it's a trend? Well, you know, other teams have more depth and probably some established coaching and, and an established system. In the Patriot game, in the Baltimore game, uh, the Baltimore game, you know, they, they took the top off immediately. But these other teams have yeah, I'm specifically have more referring to Washington and Buffalo and oh, the yeah. Steelers, those three games. Now, in those three games, we played fairly respectable in the first half, yep. and things fell apart in the second. And I'm wondering if you have any reason that you believe that's the case. Well, I just don't feel that they have the horses to get into a, to the race in the second half. Uh, you know, we've only got one or two players that are rated, you know, good or elite. Right. So you think you think it's a talent issue? Yeah, it's a talent issue. And you know, these other teams have eight, ten, twelve players that are rated good to elite. Uh, so if you've got more players, you have more options on the table. And I just think... You can make better adjustments with better talent is what you're saying. Yes. I think it's a talent issue and other teams are able to pick up on our weaknesses and, uh, you know, they put it to us in the second half. And how would you answer that, Lewis? Well, to add to Jim's point in regard to talent, we are shorthanded and, um, you know, you're only as good as your weakest link. And we have a lot of weak links across the board, offensive line-wise, secondary-wise. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances that have gone into the fact that we haven't played well in the second half. The turnovers are key. Um, you know, you have O'Leary in a situation. I mean, that was that was actually in the first half, but it was a big turning point. The ball gets thrown right into his hands, and um, 
you know, it becomes a turnover where it should have been a positive play. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of reasons as to why. Um, the main one is exactly what Jim said. I mean, we're short on talent, and you know, when you're when you're only when you only have so much talent, that's only going to go so far, and you're gonna be able to cover it up for just a short amount of time. Eventually, the other teams are going to find your weaknesses, even though they have been playing well in the first half eventually it's it's gonna it's it's gonna become a situation where teams are gonna look at it i mean this past week for example when you lose howard and you lose another one of the guys i don't remember who it was but we lost two guys in the secondary that changed the whole game for pittsburgh because all they were doing were were running down the sideline and throwing fly patterns so i mean the injuries have affected us the lack of talent has affected us and the, the coaching, you know, in regard to, you know, turning around and maybe uh, changing up a game plan, it, it, there's, there's, no, there's no way of doing that. I mean, I think they did a pretty good job in the second half. I didn't see as much blitzing. They were dropping more guys back in the coverage, and it wasn't helping. So, you know, there's only so much you can do when you have a lack of talent, to Jim's point. So, I mean, th- that's... That's the number one reason, um, you know. And again, you have coaches here that that have made mistakes too. I mean, the Pittsburgh game before the half that was a major mistake, blitzing eight guys, um, you know, with a short amount of time on the clock. It was horrible, you know. So there's there's a lot of things that factor in. I, I'm on the same page with Jim in regard to you know you can only cover up your weaknesses for so long before it's just like in baseball. You know, when a, if, you, if you've got a bad defensive team, the ball's going to find you at some point. And same thing on a football field. You know, the ball's going to find you. The, the running back's going to find you. The quarterback's going to find you. And, and they're going to pick you apart. And that's what's been happening in the second half of games. And nobody's been stepping up, you know, on either side of the football. You know, that's the other thing. You don't have a playmaker on either side of the field that can turn a game around and get the momentum back in your favor. I mean, look at this team, and you guys tell me who is a game changer on either side of the football that that can make a big play and just turn the momentum back in your way. I mean, Fitzpatrick is probably the closest guy we have to that. And, you know, that's not saying a lot. Well, Howard was, but now he's on IR. Right, he's on he's on IR, and you know I, I've talked about it before, Mike, in regard to being able to avoid him. You know, when you're an offensive team, you don't have to even throw the ball his way. You know, and um, the Steelers did it early in this game, and they got burnt by it. So, you know, to that point, you know, when he's off the field, obviously it, it's going to bring your talent level way down. Uh, your ability to play defense way down because now you've got a guy that covers a guy man to man off the field, and there's not another guy on the football field that can do that on our team. So again, you know, you 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 don't have the playmakers to turn momentum in your way. Once it starts slipping away, it 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 starts slipping away quickly, and on either side of the football, again, we just don't have a guy to turn it back the other way. All right. Well, you guys pretty much covered it. I was going to throw my two cents in, but it would only be repetitive, so I won't. Okay. Uh, I, I think you said it really well when you said uh, you're only as strong as your weakest link. I think that sums it up. Yep. Now, Tua Tunga Bailoa is uh, very underappreciated by our fan base. Every single day I'm hearing how people don't believe in him and this and that and the other thing. Um, 
some of the reasons are nonsensical, but you know, some of them make sense. But whatever the case, um, now Chase Young is is you know climbing up the draft boards, and uh, uh, he's thought of as a one man wrecking crew. Now we had Zach, we had uh, Jason Taylor, and we didn't win because we didn't have the offense and the quarterback to go with it. And we had Marino and didn't have the defense to go with him. So my question to you guys is, where do you stand in this argument? Would you be going after the quarterback with that first pick, assuming we have it? Or would you be going after the uh, defensive end, Young? I'll give it a whirl here. You know, I, I don't get too carried away with college quarterbacks until it gets closer to the draft and, you know, the combine and, and more well, information. You know, insert name here. Let's assume top prospect is mm. a quarterback, you know, mm. one of the top two prospects. doesn't matter whether it's him or Herbert or whoever. Uh, would you be going after the quarterback or the defensive end if you're Miami and you have that first pick? I would probably be picking the quarterback. You know, you get the number one pick. That's that's not something you're going to have a lot of op- other opportunities to have. You know, we've been struggling for a quarterback for a long time. So my knee-jerk reaction is to is to pick the quarterback you want and have it over with. And what do you think, Lois? My opinion's going to differ a little bit from Jim's. I I feel that what this team's going to have to do is they're going to have to take a look at the drop off between the top defensive end, the top edge player, and the guy that's maybe right behind him, and then do the same thing in regard to the quarterback position. Now, due to the fact that we have three picks in the first round, we have a lot of flexibility. So if you've got this edge player that is just going to absolutely dominate football games, and he's sitting there, and you've got quarterbacks that maybe aren't as good as Tua, but can be just as good, then I, I would go with the defensive end because, in all honesty, we need players at both positions. Now, I mean, I, you know, I stress offensive line all the time, and I think that you know, if you get a decent offensive line, you could probably get by with Fitzpatrick even next year if you put some players around him. He is on the contract next year as well as Rosen, so maybe you don't even address the quarterback this year. But if that edge player is there and they said that this guy is the best player coming out of the draft, then, you know, I I would almost be tempted to go that route and maybe pick up the quarterback somewhere later in the first round. Because, you know, the other factor is, is that we do have that third first rounder. So let's say the quarterback that we love is there. Once, you know, once we're ready to choose once again, we give up to move up you know, our, our, our two other first-round picks just to move up a few slots. I mean, they have that flexibility. Now, you are giving up your third first-round pick to do it, but if you're getting this edge player and this quarterback that you truly love, then, I mean, it, it that's a no-win situation there, isn't it? I mean, you almost have to wait, you know, I mean, to see what the scenario is. It's a catch-22 no matter what you do, but here's here's my thinking, guys. Yep. You've got two picks uh, in the first round the following year. You've got two second-round picks, uh, the, you know, in the following year. Yes. So all of these problems don't need to be solved in this coming draft. Agreed. And I think what they need to do, if they're going after a quarterback, and I believe that's what they want to do because that's been the talk forever, if they want to go after that quarterback, then they've got to fortify the offensive line with at least one of those other first-round picks. 
So I think you're taking a tackle, and I think you're taking a quarterback. And uh, that's how I would approach the beginning of the first round if it were me. And uh, then I'm going to finish building my defense, with, you know, with the, or at least supplementing my defense with those picks in the second round and, and third round, because we've got a lot of picks in this draft. We've got 14 of them. So Absolutely. it's not like we only have first round picks. So people have to understand it's a long draft and, you know, they can fix that offensive line if they pick, you know, smartly. And uh, they can certainly help the defense as well and finish off maybe some impact players in the beginning of the draft the following year. Uh, so I don't think all the problems have to be solved in this year. I think ultimately it's going to come down to which do you want first? Do you want to build your defense first or do you want to build your offense first? And I think that's going to answer your question on who you take. I, Mike, I I agree with you to an extent, but I think that if that talent level is there and they're ranting and raving about this edge guy, like, you know, well, like there, are the people, next... there are people saying uh, the quarterback is is a uh, top prospect as well. It just depends on who you listen to. Exactly. So if they're equal but, talents, which way do you go? Well, yeah, I mean that, that that's the thing, and you know you've got you've got a, a few really good quarterbacks coming out of this draft now. You know, you got to look at also where the team is. I mean, can we get by with Fitzpatrick and Rosen backing him up next year? Probably, and and put a decent product out there and maybe address the quarterback the following year. But on the defensive side of the football, I mean, honestly, we're looking at Taco and we're looking at a bunch of nobodies. And that's that's where we're at in regard to our defensive side of the football on our on our edge players. So you know, it, it it there's listen. We there's can no go back. Answer, right. There is no answer. We can go back and forth with this, and everybody's going to have a different opinion of it. People and, like and you that's, said, that's that's exactly right, and that's why I'm trying to say. You know, the team is caught in that dilemma, so they have to decide. You know, what's more important to them in 2019 or 2020? Right. You know, what do they want to address first, and how do they want to go about building this team? Right, And they may say, you know what, let's get that rookie quarterback because it's going to take him a year to, you know, adjust to the NFL game. And maybe they're better off doing that now and taking that defensive player the following year. Or maybe they think they're the exact opposite. Maybe they think they want to build up that defense first and worry about the offense later. Mm -hmm. Jim, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say that, you know, we're talking choosing between your offensive quarterback or your defensive uh, edge rusher or what. I mean, ideally you want both, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you, you've got to see how things play out. Uh, I'm okay with going either way because, you know, Trevor Lawrence looks really good next year. But my issue with that is quarterbacks are always at a premium. And if we go with that edge rusher and we keep Fitzpatrick for a, for for 2020, you know, we're probably going to win six or eight games. And that's going to make it difficult for us to get any of those top quarterbacks. So I feel our chances are better to pick a quarterback now and have it over with you know, maybe there'll be another, you know, the second place edge rusher will be at number 12 and we can get him with our second first round pick. To me, I think our best opportunity for a top quarterback is this year. So, Oh, I, I agree with you on that. I'm just saying that, you know, with three picks in the first round, you know, I'm thinking there's probably four quarterbacks that are going to get drafted early. So maybe hey, look, two is not the guy. Maybe yeah. you go with the, the Oh, second. I don't. 
I don't want even particularly care for Tua. His last name is too hard to pronounce. So uh, <laughs> that's why we call, call, him, call Tua. him Tua. Yeah, it's Tua. Uh, you know, but all I'm getting at is I think it's to our best advantage. Is our best opportunity for that number one quarterback is is in the 2020 draft. Well, uh, how that plays out it remains to be seen. We've got a lot of a lot of opinion and a lot of talking and a lot of uh, learning to do about all these college guys coming out. Absolutely. And, you know, Jim, to your point, forget about next year uh, or two years from now. This year's draft, there's no guarantee. I don't I I was looking at it today and I think we might be drafting third or fourth in this upcoming draft. So all this talk about having the first pick in the I mean, listen, the Jets are not very good. Cincinnati just benched Dalton. They're going with a fourth round draft pick for pretty much the rest of the season. So what is that telling you about them? Atlanta's team is absolutely horrible. So our team, I see on the uprise here in the second half, I honestly feel that we're going to win a few games and there's no guarantee this year either. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to, you know, there's a long way to go with this whole thing, but you know, everybody's assuming that we're getting that first pick this year, and I don't I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. Well, you know what's nice about all of this? All of the options are on the table. Guys, we've got three first-round draft picks. That doesn't happen very often, and that's kind of what I was getting at as this is our best opportunity to get whichever player we feel we want to get. So, right. Yep, it, it's, a, it's a pretty yeah, good thing well, to have all these know, picks. You the, know, the, the point to this exercise was there isn't a correct answer. <laughs> exercise, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what it was. It was an exercise. It was yeah. an exercise in, in, in futility because exactly. nobody knows what the team right. wants to do. Nope. Okay? And that's what it's going to come down to. It's not a matter of necessarily which player they think is best long-term. It's a matter of how they want to build the team. And then you, do we want to build it offensively first? Do we want to build it defensively first? Do we want to try and do both at the same time, just taking the best player available? Absolutely. You know, and, and these are things they have to they have to answer. And, and, you know, whatever their blueprint is will determine what they do. Well, thanks for the exercise, Professor Fink. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it was fun. And I, I think we got absolutely nowhere. Yeah, right, um, we did. We went right. right back to, well, let's see what happens. Yep. Pretty much. All so, right. you know, I, I think that's going to be the thing until the day of the draft. Monday night, we played the Steelers. And uh, it was a pretty exciting uh, opening to the game. I mean, uh, we did go three and out on the first series. But then on the, on the very uh, next series, you know, Pittsburgh got the ball. And Xavier uh, Howard had a nice interception. And uh, we got the ball. What happened from there? What happened from there was Fitzpatrick threw a couple touchdown passes, and the defense was actually playing pretty well early on. Um, You know, what what were there, 34 seconds left before the half? I mean, you know, we can sum this up pretty quickly. I mean, you have a 14-3 lead. There's about 34 seconds left in the half, and then our defensive coordinator decides to blitz eight guys on a, uh, what was it, a second and 20, I believe? Yeah, I don't know which one of us was more upset. We happened to be on the phone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and and we were talking about it prior. I yeah. mean, before it even happened, Jim, me and Mike were saying, my God, I hope they don't blitz on this. I mean, drop well, people into coverage and just tackle them in front and you go into the half with a yeah. 14-6 lead at worst if the guy kicks the field goal through. I mean, it, it just... It was horrible, and that was a that was a big momentum change. Yeah, so. I don't know who was more upset, me or him, but neither one of us were very happy. 
Well, I got to admit that I was watching the game with my wife, who's a semi-interested football fan, and uh, I literally screamed at the television when I saw him sending eight guys to the to the quarterback. I'm like, no! And sure enough, you know. I mean, the only way that turns out to be a smart decision is if you knock the ball out of the quarterback's hands and you pick it up and, and return it for a touchdown. And then you say, wow, great call. But aside from that, which is pretty remote, right? there's no reason to, to call that uh, defense in that situation. Just none. I don't have any issue with sending five or even six guys, but eight guys leaving three guys back. You can't leave the insane. middle of the field wide open. Yeah, like that's that. just you can't do it. That's just retarded. And and no I was logic to it. None. I was I was I was livid when they made that call, and I'm like, why in the? There's no reason to only leave three guys in coverage. That makes no sense at all. Yeah, it, maybe maybe somebody didn't get back there that was supposed to. Who knows? I mean, you know, we don't know. But the coach came out and defended the play, so you really don't know what was supposed to happen or if that was exactly what, you know, was drawn up. Right. Either I way, didn't it see was the ugly. Logic. Yeah, I didn't see the logic in it, and I still don't. I mean, not not with that situation on the clock. It just doesn't make sense. No, they, they, they put him in a no-win situation. But, you know, there, there was too much emphasis on, on that one play. Now, was it a big play? Yes. But in that first half, you know, you had a third and third and 11 from the four-yard line. And Howard and Xavier was still in the game at that point. Maybe his knee was bothering him at that point. But he, he allowed his receiver to beat him. And Pittsburgh completes a pass. And they continue their drive. They wind up scoring. Uh, you know, O'Leary drops the ball. It turns into an interception by Fitzpatrick. That was another big play in the second quarter and another big turning point. Hit him so, right in the chest. Yeah, that was terrible. Exactly. So there were a few other plays to where we really could have t- took control of the game and we didn't. I mean, that third and 11 when you have Pittsburgh down on their own four-yard line. Now, if you want to blitz eight guys, that's the time to do it. You exactly. know, make it and play tight coverage. And you have Howard just playing right at the line of scrimmage and force him into making a mistake. But, you know, the point of the matter is, is that there were a few other plays in the first half on top of that horrible defensive play call. And, you know, it, it, it changed the whole momentum of the game around. And just those few plays, you know, were, were very, very important. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with gambling, but you have to gamble when you have something to gain by gambling. And I just didn't think that in that situation, there was much to gain. From Absolutely. It. I mean, yep. Mike, if you're going to blitz, why not send two extra guys? You have to send. Exactly. You have to send eight. I mean, send six and drop two guys in the right. middle of the field, yeah. and it's probably, you know, a 10, 15-yard completion, and then they kick the field goal and the half's over. It was, it was, I, I've never seen anything like that, not in a long time. Just you a horrible said, play call. You said it, Mike. It was a bad situation to do that. And yeah. and we talk about situational play calling quite often. And, you know, that was just a terrible call for that specific situation. No need, and uh, it cost them a touchdown. And, you know, the other point was that they were doing it over and over again. So, I mean, Pittsburgh was prepared for it. Right. We were sending nonstop blitzes all over the place with excessive amounts of players on from the defensive side. So Pittsburgh adjusted to it, and that was it. The guy did a simple in pattern. It yeah. was like, what was it, like a 10-yard in pattern? The guy was like 20 yards off him. I mean, it was just a joke. Horrible play. Anyway. Let's turn it a little more positive. Uh, who, whose performances were you uh, excited about during the game? 
Hey guys, I wanted to break in here real quick just to ask a favor of you. On the app that you're listening on, uh, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit like, leave a, a comment on your thoughts of the show. And uh, if you didn't know, we do, we do run a Facebook group. Uh, it's Miami Dolphins number one. That's hashtag one. We talk uh, Dolphins football 24-7, 365. We'd love to have you join us and share your thoughts. And uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, let's make it a habit. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Mike, I don't, I don't have a lot of positives. I mean, well, I, felt- I, I, I got one. I mean, I'm sure I could think of others. Well, I thought the punter was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Hawk, Hawk, Hawk was good. Hawk's done a great job. I felt Fitzpatrick, under the circumstances, again, played a pretty decent game. I mean, again, the play calling, and I don't know if it was his option or not, but that one series where they threw the ball deep twice, you know, he threw the interception, and, like, I think two plays prior, he threw a ball down the sideline that that wasn't even close to being a completion. Um, That drive bothered me a little bit, but... Overall, you know, he was creating again like he normally does. You know, the the refereeing on that third down run, you know, we felt, God, look at this guy. He's, he's making plays again, and then they took that away from us. So I felt he played well, Mike. But, I mean, you know, Baker, I thought, played well early. Uh, the second half, I didn't see a lot of him. Um, uh-huh. I don't have a, I don't have many other positives. I thought Hearn's grab and, and score was a pretty nice play to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm, ju- I'm just thinking, you know, I mean, there, there weren't a lot of outstanding performances. Uh, Parker, you know, had six receptions, which I guess we can say is a decent game. I would have liked to see his yardage a little higher. You know, I think he had about 59, 60 yards. Right. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see that a little higher. You know, we're not getting a lot of run after catch from our receivers, and uh, you'd like to see that improve. But at least he's catching the ball. That's certainly a step in the right direction. I thought Preston Williams had a pretty good game, as did Hearns. That Hearns touchdown looked pretty nice. But on defense, you know, Jenkins is is putting into you know solid work. He's he's really the most consistent guy we have on the defensive line right now. Tarko Charlton had one. Well, good you know, it was he that uh, caused that interception that exactly. uh, Howard caught. Uh, he yep. actually pushed the offensive lineman right back into the quarterback, and yep. uh, he couldn't step into the throw. And there you had the yeah. interception. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was, you know, there there was Walton. I felt took a step back this week. I didn't was like not him. impressed with him. He, yeah. he was hesitant. He, you know, he had a big fumble at a point where we were moving the football. And, you know, again, second half turnovers, you know, that that, that killed us because you, you're looking at the clock and there's, I think, about eight minutes left in the game at that point. And you're thinking to yourself, well, we're driving the football. We're at least going to come away with a field goal on this drive. So we're going to get back into this game. And, right. and that just turned it completely around. And, yeah. um you know, again, like we talked about earlier, with our offensive line, I mean, you don't want to to be put in a situation where we're playing behind and they're just firing off on Fitzpatrick because we saw the results of that in the second half, you know, once yeah, we got down he's, he's, he's by two not, scores. Yeah, he's not a quarterback that's equipped to deal with that. And and I don't think he has the team around him to deal with it. Well, that. Mike, I, I don't think it's I – don't, I, I don't have a problem with Fitzpatrick dealing with it. I, I'm talking more so about our offensive line dealing no, with No, no, I know that. Yes. But when you put Fitzpatrick in a situation where he's got to throw – 
he's going to throw interceptions. That's my yeah, point. Absolutely. Or he's going to fumble. He's going yeah. to, I mean, he was getting hit all over the place. I mean, yeah. he put the ball on the ground, I think, three or four times, and we were fortunate enough to recover most of them. So. Now, as far as Walton's concerned, I want to see him running with a little more authority. I thought he was dancing too much and uh, just not authoritative in the way he ran the ball. Agreed. I wasn't happy with him at all. So, mm. All right, so let's talk about uh, the New York Stinking Jets. The New York Stinking Jets. Well, we have our old buddy uh, Adam Gase coming into town. Right. That's a positive oh, for yeah. us. That, that's going that's gonna, <laughs> to gonna excite the crowd, I can tell you that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, yep. we'll have some, maybe we'll have some Dolphin fans show up to watch the game. <laughs> you never know. Mike, you never I, know. I don't know if there's going to be anybody there. I mean, why would Jet fans go to this game? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on. you know, usually, you know, at this point, didn't you think that, you know, the Jets would be a very competitive team? I really, I mean, did. I they've really got, did. They've got one win. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, to, to that point, you know, well, let, let's let's talk about the Jets and then we'll – you know, we'll get to what I want to say later all right. on. Well, Jim, why don't you tell us about their defense? Like we just said, we we all th- assumed that the Jets were going to be a decent team. It, I mean, they're not going to win the Super Bowl, but they're, they're going to be maybe on the bubble for the playoffs. And you look at their, their defense on paper, and it's pretty solid. They've been giving up scores and giving up chunks of yardage, and, you know, the passing game has been their, their weak link. Uh, they're really stout against the run game, but uh, you know the pass has has uh, been their downfall. So you know when you look at this, you would think they'd be better, and they just they just can't seem to get it done. And uh, you know as far as ratings go, they're in about the middle of the pack. Uh, you know, on offense, they're they're dead last, but the defense brings their ratings up a little bit more. Um, it really is mind-boggling to think about the fact that they're not they're not preventing scores uh they're not all that good in in the passing game and they're giving up chunk plays and big scores so it's it's a bit it's a bit hard to understand why they're not playing very well but getting back to you know position players on defense um you know, they're very aggressive at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Steve McClendon, and forgive me on the pronunciation, Falarunzo Fatukasi, I think. They're both, uh, you know, have great ratings. They've been outstanding players for them. They've got their safeties are playing very well. Jamal Adams and Marcus May are playing well. Uh, they've got uh, defensive end Jordan Willis that's doing well and their first round pick uh, Quinnen Williams is playing very well as well so they're really getting after it at the line of scrimmage and they're very aggressive with the run stops and uh, I think last week they only allowed like 70 yards on the ground so that's a, uh, a good statistic for their defense yeah, their cornerbacks are kind of their weak link. Yeah, they've got Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts, and and both of those players are kind of their weak link in the chain. I did mention that the safeties are playing well, so the safeties, uh, you know, are giving them help on the outside and underneath. But you know that presents a problem. You can't double everybody, and you know if you get people in in one on one matchups, you know those those corners struggle. And, you know, those are the guys that you really got to go after if you're the Dolphins offense. Um, you've, you know, you've, if it was me, I'd be looking at, you know, short passing games. 
Uh, we've talked about this in the in the past, but you've got to try to make it work somehow. Uh, those corners are going to be susceptible and you know, you want to try to lull those those safeties up towards the box. You know, you got to use some run plays to, to get them up near the line of scrimmage and maybe not go deep a whole lot early on. Uh, you will kind of bunch the box up, but now you're going to get them those safeties cheating up, up towards the line of scrimmage. And they are both aggressive, good, solid tackling safeties. So, you know, and then once you kind of get them cheated up a little bit. Now, if you go deep and, and they're not prepared for it, you're going to have some one-on-one -on -one matchups with those corners, and uh, we should be able to win those matchups. Um, we talk about being able to run the ball. Well, this isn't a very good matchup uh, with our offensive line and our struggles with the running back position. You know, we just got rid of Kenyon Drake. Uh, Mark Walton didn't have a great showing last week, and Kalen Balaj hasn't had a lot of success. So, you know, you got to run it enough to keep the, you know, the defense honest, but, I, you know, you're not going to run the ball down the Jets' throat, so you're going to have to get enough, you know, make that short passing game, the screen game, uh, the slants we've talked about, the quick outs, things that are hard to defend and uh, give the quarterback some some quick plays to, to be successful with. So, you know, you've got to try to attack those linebackers. Their two uh, middle linebackers are a bit weak as well. Um, the uh, uh, Cashman and Burgess, I believe, uh, they're both, you know, again, kind of the weaker links on the Jets' defense. And, uh, you know, their outside linebackers are playing very well. Uh, C.J. Mosley and Brandon Copeland are both uh been playing very well for him. So uh, you're going to have to pick on those outside cornerbacks and those two inside linebackers if we're to have any success here. And uh, what about the offensive uh, guru? The offensive guru. Yeah, Mr. Gase. Um, Jim, in regard to the Jet defense, uh, their biggest problem, and I know these guys are, are pretty solid football players, but their key issues have been, before we go on to the offense, their key issues has been getting to the quarterback. I mean, they've they've got nine sacks through seven games. They're not they're not sacking the quarterback and they're not creating a lot of turnovers. I think they're they're a negative six in regard to their turnovers. So for you know, their turnover ratio. So in regard to their defense, they're not they're not getting sacks, they're not getting turnovers. And eventually, it's you know it, it's it's costing them football games on that defensive side. You know, eventually there's you know they're they're giving things up now. Um, in regard to their offense, uh, you know, I'm looking at this team, and I'm trying to figure out what the offensive guru is doing. I, I'm exactly. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what is going on, even on you know on both sides of the football. You know, you're looking at this team. And they have one win. They have one more win than we do uh, at this point. And if you look at them statistically, it just tells you the story. I mean, they've given up and getting back to the sack situation. So their defense has gotten nine sacks. They're, they've get, their offensive line has given up 34. Yeah, I meant to mention that. I mean, in my that's... That's through seven games. Exactly. That's a lot of sacks. And that's I know that Darnold was out for a while. Falk got sacked quite a bit. But that's still a lot of sacks. I think that's more sacks than what our offensive line has given up up to this point. So 
their offensive line isn't playing well. And it's not playing well in regard to pass protection, but also in running the football. Because you've got a, a great talent in Le'Veon Bell, and the guy is averaging 3.2 yards a carry up to this point in the season with one touchdown. And there's nobody else running the football on this team. I mean, Montgomery has a few carries and uh, Crowell, whatever his name is. The point is, is that they're not running the football well either. So I'm looking at this team and I'm just trying to figure out where their offense is going to come from. Now, we've got a bad defense and we may we may make them look better than they actually are, but there's just no numbers here to show that. And I, I truly feel that this is going to be an extremely close game this week. You know, we're not going to get into our predictions now, but if you look at this team and this offense, even with Xavier Howard out, and we have had him out a couple weeks prior and we were able to piece it together, I truly believe if we can get some pressure on Darnold, they're going to have a hard time moving the football because they haven't done anything through seven games to prove otherwise. Uh, Their third down conversion ratio is like at less than 20%, I think. I mean, they've only converted on 18 of 87 third downs. On fourth down, they're two of nine. So, I mean, this team's just not doing anything well on the offensive side of the football. So, you know, with that being said, I mean, they have Demarius Thomas. You know, he he bounced around quite a bit. I think he's on his third team this season or his second team at least. Uh, Robbie Anderson is a home run threat that we got to worry about. And then they have a guy named Crowder, Jamison Crowder, who's been their best receiver. Uh, He's got over 300 yards receiving, and he's got like 35 catches for the season. So he's been their main target. Where I think we might have some issues is with their tight ends, because Ryan Griffin has been extremely good for them. He leads the team in touchdown receptions with three, and they're getting a guy by the name of Chris Herndon back who came on really strong at the end of last season. So So what you're saying to me is Darnold's not getting the ball outside. Most of his most of his completions are to the slot receiver and the tight ends. Pretty much. He's not getting the ball to the outside guys, and I don't know if it's because pass protection is breaking down. I have no idea because I have not watched them enough to tell you that, but what this is what the stats are showing or is just that, Mike, is that Crowder's getting a lot of receptions and a lot of yardage, and the tight end is basically his main target in the red zone. And with Herndon coming back, now he is hurt, so there is a possibility he may not play. Now, if he does play, I can see this team going with a lot of double tight end sets, trying to run the football with Bell and trying to throw the football to Bell because Bell is their second leading receiver. He's got like, uh, I don't know, he's got 30-something receptions as well, 32. And he's got almost 200 yards receiving. He's not averaging a lot per catch. He's only averaging about 5.8 per catch. As compared to our, our guy who we just traded, he was averaging like over 10 yards a catch, Drake, before he, you know, before he got traded. So, you know, they're, they're just not doing anything very well from what stats are showing. So, again, I think our defense, even without Xavier Howard, can match up well against their offense as long as we don't blitz eight guys on every play <laughs> and yeah. we leave guys man-to-man across the board there. So if they're smart, I think we can truly, truly keep the Jet offense intact 
Now on the other side of the football, you know that you know that matchup there with our offense against their defense is a little bit different scenario. But um, again, you know this is an offense that I think we could probably handle even with yeah. the shortage on talent. Yeah, their their offense is is you know in the power rankings is like the only team that's worse than we are. Uh, you know they're they're dead last, and they only yeah, average. They haven't, they haven't played our defense yet. Yeah, I know, uh, but they're <laughs> only averaging like twelve points a game. So you know you're not going to win many when uh, you know you can't score. It's hard to use that statistic though because they've had the you know problems at quarterback, the injuries at quarterback. So we'll have to see what Darnold can do. You know, I mean he he was seeing ghosts when he played the Patriots. I don't think he'll be seeing ghosts against our defense. <laughs> you never know, Mike. I mean, <laughs> you know, it is Halloween week, so we'll see what happens. We'll, but... we'll see what happens. Let's let's uh, talk about some predictions. Okay, uh, Jim, you want to go first with that? Oh man, I usually hang you guys with these right. predictions. Ah, uh, I'll you go know, first if you want. Jim. Go ahead, Lou. Is I want to hear what if, you think because I think you have gone first. We put the pressure on you. I, I think I think it's twenty-one seventeen. I think it's a really tight game. I think the defenses are going to keep this keep the score down, and uh, you know I think we wind up winning this game. I think we're going to wind up winning 21-17. Our scores are real close. I actually took Miami as well, 20-19. to Wow. Okay. Yeah, I actually have (laughs) us winning this game as well. How about that? To switch? I can't see either team being able to be very productive out there on the field. And I was thinking along the same same lines as you guys where it's going to be a close game. But I figure there's going to be enough broken plays, so it's going to be about 24 to 21 in favor of the Dolphins. All right. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the key is, again, and I say I know I say this every week, I sound like a, a broken record, but it, it's the turnovers. As yeah. long as Always. we don't have big Always. turnovers and, you know, we get a couple, and Darnold has been – He's been giving it up lately. I mean, he has not had a good game over his last two games. He's been really bad. So, you know, we got to hope that we can uh, create some turnovers and we at least, if we don't win it, at least we get a couple, even if we give up a couple. I think we can win the football game if we don't turn the ball over in key situations, which the last two weeks we have. And I mean, really key key situations on let's just hope it's an exciting fourth quarter game and not uh, snooze fest because this could be a snooze fest it could very well yeah, be it, well, it yeah you go back to last year that one game we had down here i think the defense i think baker scored the only touchdown of the game didn't they i mean everything else was just field goals yeah the game yeah. down here so i mean you know it's yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah, I'd like to see an exciting game at home and then watch Gase go home a loser. Mm-hmm. That's about all I got, guys. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Well, I did want to address something in regard to people being down and out about this team and, you know, the loss again on Monday night. Now, we are 0-7 at this point. But um, as you watch that football game the other night, and I know that the Steelers are without Roethlisberger, but... Um, you know, Moose, uh, Mason Rudolph is their uh, 
quarterback of the future one way or another. So he's just starting a little bit earlier than what they expected. And as you look at that Steeler team, they do have some solid football players. They do have Bud Dupree and Schuster and Watts. But overall, I mean, how much better are they really are than we are? at this point you know how much better are they and going into the draft next year and you could say this about a bunch of other teams in the nfl as well i mean we are not that far off from teams like the falcons who were struggling uh there's there's a lot of teams the broncos and just look at the position that we are going into going into next season compared to some of these other teams in regard to the amount of money we have and the amount of draft picks we have over the next two drafts. So, you know, all the Dolphin fans that are out there and are upset over the fact that we're 0-7, you know, you look at the Steeler team and you look at the team we played the week before in the Buffalo Bills, and we competed with these teams. And going forward, we've just got a lot more to look forward to than a lot of the teams in the NFL. I mean, how would you like to be the Steelers going in to next season, you don't have a number one draft pick. You don't know what the situation is going to be with Roethlisberger, so you have Rudolph there. So who's in a better position going in the next year? Is it the Steelers or is it the Miami Dolphins? In my opinion, even though they beat us, we're still going to be in a much better position once this season ends and going forward. So, you know, you got to keep your heads up and keep positive about the whole thing. Well, you just have to hope they make smart decisions going forward. And if they do, I mean, they're going to be in a good position. Absolutely. That's going to be it for tonight's uh, show. We'll be back uh, after the Jet game on Monday. And uh, fins up. Fins up, Dolphins. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the FinFans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. 